if you do not somehow know Michael Ross from the RPG Academy, let us introduce you. Michael, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. What's up, Michael? Thank you. I am super stoked to be here as well. We're going to be playing the game that you wrote, your D12 system, Action 12 Cinema. Two of my biggest loves in this world are bad action movies and role-playing games. So we're going to start off by rolling a bunch of D12s, and it's going to help us determine what type of a movie story we're telling. And we're going to create some NPCs and locations and all that kind of stuff. The concept that I've got is the the generic hacker that, like, think Jeff Goldblum from Independence Day, like, who finds out that alien technology works on Apple Macintosh products. My name is Jagger. My parents were big Rolling Stone fans. Do you have a hacker name you go by, or is that it? Like, you go, Jagger's just like your share name. Everybody calls you Jagger. Oh, so my hacker name, so that actually is my hacker name. And you so you know me as Jagger, and online I'm like J at sign GG3R. I'm going for a kid who got through high school, did okay, not terrible, not bad, not great, joined the military, trained with various folks for various nice jobs for a little while, but then got sidetracked because he's always second guessing his own value and worth. That, by mm-hmm. the way, my Achilles heel. And then has more recently branched out and is working in the business field in the office building where we all meet while I'm trying to put together a career as a stand-up comic. (laughs) Okay. His name is Khalif LeClaire, but he goes by the name Cal. Oh, I'm going to be playing Stan. And Stan is a delivery driver for a pizza place. And he happens to be in the building when this whole thing starts to go down. till we reach Ireland. And in the meantime, I give you the proclaimers. It shows us leaving the coastline, flying over a full-size statue of Liberty besides an empty New York skyline. <laughs> yeah. That's a great shot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably the picture on the poster, maybe, because that would definitely yeah. be yeah, yeah, yeah. the world yeah, yeah. thought it had big problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have any tropes that need replaced? I don't remember us using any last time. We didn't use any of them. And I actually think that these, uh, that all five of them, I think are going to come in pretty handy because we have two fight scenes in this act. Okay. So I think these are going to come in pretty handy. Okay. Then we can leave them. And if anybody wants to update their relationships, add, change the thing you can here. I really um, haven't touched on it a lot. The personal crisis, the the design there is whenever you're building a dice pool, you can choose to pull one out. And if you are still successful at any level, then you get to count a tick towards your personal crisis. Since you didn't really do that in Act 1 or 2, it would be very hard to succeed in Act 3, but I realize I neglected that. But that's how it would work. Because it's a personal crisis, it's a, a selfish thing. Like you, you intentionally pull a die away, which could help the overall party. But if you're successful anyways, then you get to take it off. If you get all three check marks on your personal crisis before the end of the game, then you can say that it is also resolved through the narrative of when you end things. So just because I didn't include yeah. it, I want to explain it for anybody listening on that's what it was for. Gotcha. Well, I look at it this way. There's bound to be a sequel because this is a franchise property. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't resolve all of our stuff. In the first, mm. otherwise we end up with Die Hard with a Vengeance. 
Uh, or you just have to come up right. with a new yep. personal crisis. A new, yeah. Exactly. And, and speak, do we ever name the movie or does that happen at the end? That happens at the end. That's one of the things, again, kind of, as we're going to wrap up, I would ask, does anyone think they have a name for mm. whatever whatever has happened? Because usually you want to base it off of what the story has yeah, yeah. unfolded. But yes, yeah, so if you okay. have any good ideas, jot them down and we'll do that at the end. Cool, cool, cool. All right. All right. So we can right. also do interstitial scenes if we need them. Personally, I don't know that we do here. I feel like it's the story is carrying us pretty straightforward. We're on a plane heading towards Ireland, which apparently that's where Area 51 is in this planet. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Maybe there's a portal or we don't even have to go there. Again, it's always open to whatever we need to do. But we have, what are our three obstacles for, because we need two like secondary obstacles and then our final main, old, main plot point obstacle. I think the easy answer would be to go ahead and make the fights a small one and, and the big one. But I'm going to say, why don't we make the ticking clock the big one and then the two f- have two small fight scenes? So the okay. way that basically works is as we're starting, each fight has six points that we have to get through before they're solved. The ticking time bomb still or clock still has 12, but you cannot start on the 12 until both of the other two are solved. Uh, So it could be something where maybe you're going through a complex and the first round of guards would be fight one. And then once you're actually in the room, then maybe they're like, you're fighting the Fae. Or again, it it can look like however you want, but that's basically how it works. It's like those two little ones are protecting the big one. So you cannot throw any points at it until you've gotten rid of both of the other two. So I have a question on that, though. If we make the clock the big one, what does that look like in the end? If we've got fight, clock, fight, then, you know, we get in a fight, then we start the clock to get to wherever the last fight is going to happen in time. If the whole thing is a time thing at the end, are we diffusing a fairy bomb? It it could be a fairy fairy bomb. bomb? I I like that, but I was thinking that we have a fight in Ireland basically revealing the who. Then we get the call from Kelsey as far as the where. Yep. And then the second fight is when we get to that location and we fight the human people and the Fae together. Yep. And when we defeat that, we still have to stop the humans from doing whatever he was doing. And that could literally be a bomb. And that's Area 51. Yep. Like they've got some kind of device that yep. they've sci- scienced up that's going to revert the whole world to the Fae, except yep. for. This the one location, and and the this machine is what's keeping all the building or that what made all the buildings small. And so, if we don't, uh, the ticking clock can be that we have to disarm it in a certain amount of time, or the change is permanent. Like right now, the change isn't permanent yet, and that can be part of the information that we learn. Okay. And keep on the abstract nature of the problem. So, let's say we we just had to deal with the ticking time clock. You could still narrate that you're in the middle of a fight and you're still fist fighting. But every now and then you have to click a button or you're trying to get closer to the bomb to the point that you can deactivate it. So like points one through 10 of ticking time bomb could be you getting next to it. And then once you're there, the last roll is the one where you actually pull the plug. So you can narrate it to make it make sense however you want it to based on what we're we're trying to tell. I got you. Okay. All right. All right. So, yeah, so we're going to kick things off. So I think it sounds like we're going to start with the first fight, which means it only has six points. So it should be fairly easy. But again, we can describe it. It could be aerial dog fights, whatever you guys want to do. But it only has six points before we would be ready to move on to the next one. So whoever would like to start, go for it. So I think that during our flight, there were a few cut scenes of Jagger on their computer 
with whatever yep. they were able to patch together for internet to work mid-Atlantic flight because they're super techie. Yep. Yeah. Super long to, patch cable. So trying to figure out where we need to go while we're in Ireland. Yeah. And they do. They figure out like a mystical convergence with all of their data and extrapolation and it gives them a little X on the map so we would know where to go. So Cal sets the plane down in a large open field of a farmhouse next to an ancient old crumbling ruin of a pre not even a not even like a catholic church but a pre-catholicism shrine and in shit. the scottish highlands no right. the, we're not in scotland we're in ireland my bad not we're the scottish ireland. highlands yeah, but, but just in ireland matters. yeah yeah, yeah. They've, they've got some bluffy things too near a bluff <laughs> <clears throat> how about the cliffs of Moore? there we go mm. Perfect. Just above the just of uh, just above the cliffs of Moore, and uh, we know that whatever the power that's pulsating out that this machine is controlling that Josh has now been able to detect, or other companies, Josh Jagger, whew, has Jagger, finally been, has, has been able to detect or <laughs> learn reports of other scientific people community in the community detecting to figure out exactly where we need to be, and we're now approaching this strange, weird shrine. And as we get closer, it's got this really old stone, kind of like a cellar thing that goes down door, but it's half cracked in. And we creep into the darkness and there's like cobwebs and little skittery bugs and spiders crawling across Cal's neck. He's freaking out, trying to brush them off. Think Indiana Jones, but not quite to the point of covering your whole back. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and he decides he does not want to walk point anymore, and he switches. puts and that puts Jagger up there instead. Because all right, I've got I've got like my flip phone open, like casting light. Because of course we don't have any torches or anything like that. And and as we're walking by, it's it, again like poor Michael in his office right now. It's like we're just, like, <laughs> swatting at like something, and finally I hit one on the back of my neck, and I pull my hand back, and it's definitely not a mosquito. It looks like some sort of a some sort of bigger than a mosquito. It's this like crumpled body like a uh, fairy type thing uh, <laughs> I, I think we've got company and just then some big fairies like tiny come around the corner in front of us and charge down the hallway all right all right and uh, yeah so seeing this the one thing that we forgot to do was an arm up montage yeah. <laughs> I look around in this ancient castle, look for different things, and I see that there's a statue of uh, of a soldier in ar- armor, and in, in his hand he has a uh, sword, and I wrench the sword free, and I reach and I pull that out with my, I hold it one handed in my right hand, and in my left hand I pull an old style Desert Eagle which Uncle Rupee had left in the bomber that I took. So I unholster that and I say, all right, this is it. And we start to fight. Uh, There are several assailants without any other options. I'm going to fire at one of them while swinging the sword at a second one and rushing forward to get ahead of my comrades who are at least partially less combative than I trying to lead the charge. Get what we need to get. I'll hold them off. And I dive right in. And so that would be brawn for one, a sword play for two. And I'm definitely using my sword and gun 
So that's my five. And I've got an eight, a nine, a six, a five, and a one. So two of those cancel. So you have one success total. So it goes from six to five. And you have to stress something that you just used to build a dice pool. Again, everybody healed. If you had anything stressed from before, yeah. it's, at the end of yeah, the jacket, it heals. I would definitely stress my sword and gun. Basically, when I went to fire... Oh, that's a trope. Can you stress oh, that? Can yeah. you stress? No, you can't stress the trope. Yeah, okay. Okay. So it would just be your attribute or your skill or your relationship if you used those things. I will stress the the uh, sword the sword play and fencing. Okay. And so with that stress, that means I can't use that to build the next dice pool. Is that correct? You can use it again, as, but if you try to if it gets stressed again, it will then be broken. So right now, there's no mechanical benefit to using it or wanting to use it. Okay. But when you describe like how things before you do the handoff to the next person, obviously things went well, but not super well. And there's some sort of like part of this is this not going well for you. Terrible way of explaining it. But I think yeah, at a certain point in the fight, I, I run through one of the fairies and it sticks the sword into the wall and I can't quite get the sword uh, out. Yep. So I basically lose the sword in that in, in that moment and left fighting hand to hand and with the gun itself. All right. Who would like to go next? So Stan, as he saw them coming, and Cal rushes forward past him with his sword and gun. And he's like, where the hell did he get a sword? <laughs> Is that my uncle's gun? <laughs> and then he looks at the flare gun, which is the only thing he found in the plane. And he was like, crap, man, how'd he get the gun? But all that happens really quick. And then he runs up to join the fray, kind of a little like a step back. He's not, he's capable. He's done some solid MMA trading. He's not afraid to fight. But this is like some weird mystical fairy crap. And these guys are big. So he's fighting a little bit reserved around Cal's back. Landing a punch or a kick here or there. A couple of good throws. And then he spots way in the back corner just as some more fairies are coming out of that side pack passage. A really old box of dynamite. Oh, nice. Just chilling there against the wall. And he looks at the flare gun in his hand. And he looks at the dynamite. And he looks at the flare gun. And he aims real careful. And he tries to bring the ceiling crashing down on the new fairies that are coming in with the dynamite. Nice. So ceiling crash is a trope. And I guess we'll go with Moxie for my aim. A scientific process helped me figure out that I could blow up. Yeah, dynamite, dynamite. goes boom. That's scientific. That's not scientific, yeah. Holy shit. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> like if we were playing Yahtzee, I got a large straight. I was going to say, that's a straight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's four. So it takes you down to one left. So this fight is almost over after this, but not so, quite. So the right. ceiling comes crashing down and takes out like all of the fairies in the back, except for the couple. Yep. And it was like a composite shot. So there were like a thousand of them back there. And then this just causes them to all go away. We don't have to worry about it well, at all. Especially yep, exactly. when the camera starts out wide looking at the big fairies, but then zooms in. So you can see the countless number of tiny fairies surrounding yep. them and they all got taken out. Yep. All right. Finally, I have filled in my final skill slot. And what what you may not have known is that I also have a yellow belt in karate. Ooh. So that's like nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I am like going through. I could do a C-step punch. My, my very. I broke a board once. My very elemental kata. And, but I'm, this is not my area of expertise. I don't fight big fairies that often. So I'm sticking close to the wall and everything like that. And as I'm going through, I, I, what looks like I'm kicking a rock. But it's not a rock, it's a switch, and it opens a secret door off to my side that I fall through comedically. <laughs> uh, and inside that room is a large 
technical MacGuffin that's plugged into the wall. We're not sure how it's getting power, but it's got like lights and flashy things and everything like that. And it uh, and it has a picture of on the front of it, or no, so it has like a digital display that uh, that says enlarge on it, and a big red like rocker switch, like you see uh, like on the big comedically large uh, circuit breakers. And I look at it, I said, "Oh, wait a minute." Okay, so what I want to do is I want to pull the switch and try to shut off the machine, thinking that clearly it says enlarge on it. We're fighting big fairies. Fairies are normally small. I bet you that this is going to go ahead and take care of it. I'm I'm going to go with brawn. Uh, with brains, rather, for two to piece this together. My yellow belt and silly karate for another one. And secret door for four. You start with, I start with one, so that's a total of five. So, see if we can uh, shut this sucker off. Okay, so I have, there's a one, and then a five, a six, an eight, and a ten. So the eight and the ten are successes. Yep. One's canceled by the one, so we still have the one success. So we'll yep. finish the fight. Yep. And I am going to push, oh, I'm going to push my yellow belt and silly karate. Or uh, stress it, rather. Yep. yep. And that, so I flip the switch, and all of a sudden, the big enlarged fairies that are covered in boulders from the ceiling shrink down to normal size, and you just kind of see the boulders just sink down to the ground a little bit as, uh, as it takes them out of the equation. I imagine there's like one that was just getting ready to punch Cal and then it just yeah. like shrank and so you can just backhand it. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> backhand it. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Cal yeah. looks at it and goes, what now? What now? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't hearing nothing. Nothing. Hey, hey, from the other room behind the secret doors. Hey guys, look what I found. Don't get up. <laughs> <laughs> and stay down. I'm not <laughs> sure they can. Yeah, and well, he, he that shows you the big machine. Our problems. Uh, yeah, uh. Sh sh he shows you the big machine with the digital readout that says enlarge. When I shut it off, all the fairies shrunk down to normal size. And there's a little red dial on it, one that's a, that points to like a stick, like a big stick figure, <laughs> and it points to a little stick figure. And when you when I turn it, it switches from enlarge to shrink. I bet you this, this, once we get those, once we figure out where where Kelsey thinks we should go, I bet you we'll find a machine just like this. Mm, a shrinkinator. You sure it doesn't have a 3000 on the end of that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is well, there anything else here? This looks the secret control room. We got to look. There should be something can... here that will get you to your next. Yeah, we got to keep searching. At yep. this point, I'm going to kind of look around and I've been in many military places. I've been in many comedy clubs. I've been in more than a few bars and probably a few places in between. And I have no experience with this, but I am good at one thing. And that is I am particularly good at picking out the small details and things. That's what the focus of my comment comedy is those small details. So I, right now you're not actually having to roll because yeah. we haven't actually introduced the next obstacle yet. So you can just narrate whatever you want to get you to that next step. Okay. I was going to say now would be the perfect time for Kelsey to call. Yeah, I'm looking and notice that there's like a small box that's got all kinds of neat little old-fashioned Celtic runes on it. And inside of it is a a small wooden, carved wooden dagger. But the wood is red and the handle is black and not painted. It's almost like the woods used to make this thing are colored that way. And right as I look at that and I pick it up, the cell phone rings, which oddly gets service in the middle of an underground cavern. In the middle of Ireland, That has yeah. electrical right. power in the middle of Ireland. Yeah, on the cliffs um, of Mole. <laughs> yeah. Which I answered. Cal. Yeah. Cal, it's Kelsey. What's up, Kels? Look, I can't talk. I'm being watched. You got to go to Area 51. 
I can get you in. I've already sent you a key code. I promise I was never going back there. I know, but you have to. Of all the That's places. the secret to all of it. Of all the places in all the world, it has to be the one place I said I'd never return to. <laughs> Cal, if there was any other way, don't you think that, don't you think I thought about that? There's no other way. Where are you? I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you, Cal. You know that. <laughs> Maybe I'll survive this and you'll get that chance. You should be so lucky, you bastard. Feelings? Guys? And, yeah? Anybody notice this big clock on the wall over here that's counting down <laughs> that says Sinister Doomsday Plot Clock? <laughs> that, that was an insert shot because the during the test screenings, screenings no one understood what was happening. Like, what are the stakes? As fun as this is, I guess I got yeah. a plane to catch. I know. You got to go. You always got to go. <laughs> go save the world, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you big galoot. <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> Don't die, Lee, when you go. Don't die. Yeah, Stay, yeah, with yeah. Us. Yeah, yeah. Stay away yeah. from the light. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey. I guess we're making for the play. Yep. So yeah, the- on the upside, in the very back of the secret room, we found a couple of barrels of fuel that happens to be the right kind for our B-52 bomber from World War II. Of course, II. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad that I didn't need to convert peat moss into usable fuel before we flew back home. Yeah. We don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the Have so- you seen the Sinister Doomsday Clock? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did now. <laughs> I'm not going to try to stop that, though. Which has just enough time for us to get there, get into hijinks. Now we're fighting our clock, so we got to see if we can get all of this fuel poured into the plane without spilling it. Oh, did we change that around where the, the, oh, no, the clock clock's is? At the end, you're right. It's fight next. Okay, cool. Uh, so. I have it wrong on my sheet because I wrote it in okay, pen, cool. and then I drew an arrow. So we don't roll anything. Instead, we fuel up our plane and jet ourselves back. Yeah. Yep. I like to think it's yep. the same exact footage we had the first time. Oh, yeah. Even yeah, though yeah, you're totally, leaving yeah. Ireland, it's still the same shot of New York and every, everything yeah, exactly yeah. the same. But yeah, the best yeah. news is the sun is at least in the right position this yeah. time. Oh, no, we're not using different footage. It's still, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, now it's in the right position. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we're still flying west to east over New York City. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I'm assuming our soundtrack kicks back in again, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because everybody's got to have that. Uh, every good action movie yeah. has to have that one throwback 80s song yeah. or 90, <laughs> early 90s song. That was firmly 90s. Thank you very That's much. Right. So our fight here could be like an aerial dogfight. It would be Ooh. somewhat difficult for everyone to contribute since the least character is one flying the plane. But you could, I guess there's a gunner seat. I don't know. You tell me. I, a, I think on a B-52, there's idea. a belly gun. Door on either side. There's yeah. a tail gun. Yeah, they yeah, could so, also yeah. and they could also break in and try to get into the plane. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so I'll start with the belly gun because I think that's so. Yeah, so as we're flying along, all of a sudden in the dome, so I'm in the dome underneath, just zoning out, watching the world fly beneath me, and all of a sudden a fairy like flies up and is trying to like it's a small one and is trying to get in between the ship and the dome to try to get into the dome, and I'm like so I'm like piloting around trying to steer it away and. Guys, we've got company up here. And then finally, I'm able to see a couple of bigger ones that are coming up and like making like strafing runs where they're like just like hitting the side, trying to like break the propeller. 
colors and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to shoot one, but man, it's really hard. Like I've never fired one of these guys before. We said what Moxie for firing your gun earlier. Was that anything that's not the other three? Yeah, I'll go with Moxie. Sure, I'll go with Moxie, but I don't really have. I don't know. Can I use? Can I throw my fast hacking on it? Because I've never used one of these before. But fast hacking allows me like that general mechanical awareness. There's no that, GM in this game, so yeah. as long as you're All okay right, with on. it, it counts. I'm cool with that. All right, hey, I'm trying to see if there's anything else I want to leverage here. Yeah, I'll go with those four. So that'll give me one, four. Yep, total of four. Okay, that's a one and a. F- Five, a seven, and an eight. So that's one success from the sounds of it. Uh, oh no, it gets canceled out by the yeah, one. Doesn't so that would be a wash. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to. All right. I can't accept failure. So I'm gonna. Do I get to reroll? I, I have to burn two to reroll my one, don't I? Yep. Here's a little. The game is not mechanically depth or depth yeah, deep yeah. at all. But the one thing that if you figured out, if you use your heroic trait to reroll at the same time you use your Achilles heel to get extra ones or extra yeah. dice, the ones can't hurt you. All right. So I will do that. I'm going to burn an Achilles well, heel. We said they can't hurt you if you roll them again, but you can sure, re-roll sure. ones yeah. if you use it. So usually if you want to use them together, I guess is why I should have said that. Okay, so if I okay, so if I so I'll re- use Achilles heel to re-roll my bad die and if I include heroic trait, I get two extra dice, right? Yep. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. So that'll give me five re-rolls. Does that include Oh, that doesn't include the success though, right? You don't have you could re-roll if you maybe to get a 12, but you get to keep the successes. Okay. All right. But I didn't right, so speak. If you get ones now, they do count as two failures. So it is still bad. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. All right. So I've got a I've got four die, no ones, but I did get a 12. Everything else was middle, most middling. Okay. So I will, uh, you know what? I'll take those two successes. I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. Okay. So two successes. So that brings us down to four. All right. And then you're just keeping the 12 for later? Uh, yes. I will indeed keep my 12 for later. I would throw in, there was a talk at one point about a dragon. So maybe that's the other side of this firefight at this point. Might be a cool element to throw in or our our special effects budget blown here. I just picked a big old fairy out of the sky. (laughs) I didn't see any dragon, but maybe the guys with the better vantage points, Ewan. We were after dragons at first, but unfortunately we blew all of our budget on those cameo voice appearances (laughs) you did earlier. That Nero cameo was expensive. So (laughs) instead we have badly CGI'd goblins riding hippogriffs on our tail. And, And they, of course, have goblin engineered little grenade bombs and stan could not sit on the sidelines so i'm going to use my achilles heel for rushing to the tail gun when i realized we were under attack maybe a little bit too quickly but to get the extra two dice he's like oh my god there's goblins on hippogriffs back here and they're throwing bombs at me and everyone else goes nerd what's a hippogriff (laughs) right (laughs) i dated in high school uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Let's just say it's not the first time I've thrown dice. Uh, so I got Moxie for two. I got two extra for my Achilles heel. And I'm going to say I used to go to the shooting range with Uncle Rupee. <laughs> to fire the tail gun on the on the World War II style bomber. It at least gives me an idea of how to line up the sights. You spent the summer, like you, you were bored. You played in that plane all the time. It was like your clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes well, you gave you me live ammunition to, to keep the, the coyotes out of the field. That's right. <laughs> so, so that's going to give me six. That's a messy way to handle that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's going to give me to six. Let's see what we do. But I've got double setbacks for ones because okay. I used my Achilles heel. Yeah. Oh, boy. Good news. No ones. Yeah. Okay. Instead, I have four fours, a six, and a 12. 
Oh, I have a 12 counts as two. And then so you can I got two successes. <laughs> you can re-roll it right now or you can save it for later. Keep in mind there's not oh, a whole lot later left. Once this is over, all we have left is the countdown clock. I'll definitely save it for later. Okay. All right. So that's two more points away. We only two points left in this fight and we're done. All right. Seeing what's going on, <clears throat> I know there's a hippogriff coming up behind us. I see it's a on our six. And you're like, <laughs> and here I am trying to steer the plane, trying to help them line up shots. But more importantly, I see there's something big coming at us, like real big. And it's in shadow because even though our budget was blown for uh, the big things, they figured they could pull a Spielberg and just not show it fully. So <laughs> they, the clouds. they actually have oh, just as the clouds moving for towards us and they backlit with a. Uh, basically a can of spray aerosol and a lighter. So they, and it looks like there's something fire breathing and smoke mm. coming towards us with a um, silhouette inside the cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yep. And uh, seeing that's <laughs> there, I am going to go for, go towards it as fast as possible and do a super quick nosedive. So it and the hippogriff take each other out. And I yeah. am going to, because this is a big plane and it's heavy, it will take brawn. Um, it will take my military training and tactics. And you can um, use your relationship with Kelsey because if you survive, then maybe yeah. that'll come back. Oh, yeah. there you yeah. go. Oh, uh, I, like I gotta live through this for my girl, man. I made a promise. I gotta do this. So that's gonna bring me to that's one, two, three, four. So I got four on this one. I will also give you my bonus die here. So you roll it and then you just add it into his results. Yeah, so uh, I got a six, so nothing. Okay, so I've got a 12, five, and a four. Uh, 12's awesome. all you needed. Yep. Mm. Yep. And so we do that quick dive. Everybody takes those G-forces as we dive down, and the hippogriff and the dragon crash. All for effects is smoke and a lens flare of fire, and then there's just like red chunkies that they drop on the windshield <laughs> and in the plane. Just basically, they took some ground beef, soaked it in, in dollar store fake blood, and splatted it on the window. And I say, Amazing. that's going to take some Windex. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> and keep flying. So all we have left yeah. now is the ticking clock. So again, it can look like whatever you want. The getting to the machine could be the difficulty. So it could still be more fights yeah. in the way. It's however you want to describe it, but that's all we have left yeah. to go. It does have 12 points. So whoever would like to take us into that. All right. I could start. I just, cause yeah. I figure what we're doing is we're landing in area 51. Yeah, and there's a sign that says area 51, just in case yeah. no one yeah. knows yeah. where we're at. Cause you have to fly over. And, area 51, no admittance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's trespassers yeah. will be shot on site. Yeah. And meanwhile, I know that the key card I was sent will only work on the actual building. So as we're flying in, I say, ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts. We're not landing on the landing uh, on the flight pad. We are going <laughs> all the way in. And uh, basically, oh God. as we start coming in, I'm not stopping the plane. I'm going to drive right class. I'm going to drive right up to the building we need to go to which means the wings are going to get sheared off. I'm going to say, get out of the belly gun. Yeah. <laughs> Travis ran yeah. up and strapped himself in. He's covered in vomit, by the way, from your dive move. Yeah, and uh, you should clean Travis that. Stan. <laughs> and, and not guys. <laughs> yeah. and, we're, and basically, I'm going to steer us through the claim. We're getting shot at and whatnot, and I'm not trying to hurt American soldiers, but I am definitely steering the plane to cause damage so that the things that they're shooting on and behind 
are falling over, getting them to scatter, that type of thing. In this particular case, it would be, I think, I'm beyond military training at this point. This is Moxie. Yeah, so I'm piloting by Moxie, pilot skill, and at this point, I've got my friends with me. So I, my relationship with Jagger and uh, Stan, I know I only get one die for the both, but this is, I got to get us to the goal. Like, we, we're the only people in the entire world, out of eight, seven billion people, we're the only ones that can save the day. So... Yeah, an IT guy, an ex-military dude, and a pizza delivery boy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that sounds like a bad joke. So that's going to be four again. So the unlikeliest of heroes have yes. to come yeah. up big. <laughs> In a world gone small, oh, yeah. the most unlikely of heroes ha- need a win, and they need it big. They need it big. <laughs> that's going to be 11, 11, 8, and 7. That's three successes. Three successes. Yeah. So, like, nice. a wing, the wings shear off on a couple of the buildings. I, of course, take out a fuel truck, which explodes, <laughs> causing people to scatter and the smoke and yep. the fire. They can't see us, so they're not able to shoot us. We're yep. coming past. And I yeah, say... The one jumping out of the way of the explosion. Yeah. yeah. And I say, the brick lines are cut. We're going to have to jump for it when we get to the building. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So the plane comes to a screeching halt, like two inches away from the end of the building or the end of the hangar where we're at or, or the wall, the wall that would mean certain doom if we hit it. Uh, it comes to a screeching halt. It's just like a, uh, it's like a wall of fuel barrels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, uh, it slows the, at the last minute and goes, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, exactly. And I, of course, I'm no longer in the belly gun anymore because the belly gun has been sheared off from your landing job. But I'm coming up with my uh, with my laptop because, of course, I had that with me. And on the screen is just uh, like a big like a air traffic control radar type thing with a flashing red light on it. So that's where we need to go. I know where the machine is. And so I want to use my uh, my bronze and my fast hacking to go ahead and, and see if I can go ahead and pinpoint exactly where we need to go here. All right. Uh, that's five. Oof, okay, so I got a one and I got an eight, so I was going to cancel each other out, and I got a 12. I'll take the two successes, I'm going to save the 12, and I will stress I will stress fast hacking and take the two successes. All right, so we're not quite halfway through, but we're at seven, so almost halfway. Getting there, yep. All right, so now that we have a route, Stan, <laughs> who's looking over Jagger's shoulder, really takes a minute to try to memorize the route, then Cal punches in the code that they've got to get in the get, to get us through the front door and we're slipping as quickly and quietly as possible through the halls of area 51 which are strangely quiet and empty in this up in these upper levels as though the normal staff just isn't here maybe whatever's going on they sent the normal staff home for the day but as we go down a level as soon as we come out of the elevator at the far end of the hallway there's six U.S. military types, dudes in camo-style fatigues, with guns that don't look quite normal. They're a little bit bigger and bulkier, and they've got this big hopper on the back, like a paintball gun, but it lights mm. up like a bunch of fireflies are in a jar. Nice. And they, if, if we get a little bit closer, or just we get this creeping feeling that those are actually a bunch of fairies stuffed in a jar being used to power this weapon. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, not good. And they immediately open fire, and these jets of blue energy are streaking towards us, just melting holes in the wall. <laughs> okay. And just outside the elevator, like we all shrink back, we're like hiding and trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do. And we look out, and just outside the elevator, there's a mop bucket, standard <laughs> yellow mop bucket with a mop sticking out the top of it. 
<laughs> and we got to find a way to move up the hallway. So that's all we got. So we're going to use it as improbable cover. And we're all going to crawl up the hallway behind this mop bucket. Until we get to a side room just a little bit closer. There's a side corridor. So uh, Artie, Jiggly Bear, and Jelly Bean with the mop bucket fiascos. And the previous actual previous play. actual play. Yeah. The mop bucket will save the day. It's got one hand up using that mop to steer it so they can't see us as commando crawl along. Periodically with cal leaning out to throw some shots with that desert eagle at him but he's not trying to take them out because they're u.s military so he's kind of like the a-team or a stormtrooper he shoots a lot but doesn't hit anything yep and let's see if we make it with our improbable cover up to that next hallway so that we can cut around these guys we'll go with moxie because what else would you use for this i definitely can't even pretend to pitch scientific process get there fast get there fast old work can't sit on the sidelines as a re-roll and you have the relationships because they're with you if you want. Yeah, to I'll, and I'll take my two relationships for, for their support and my crazy-ass plan. That gets us to five. A two. Two tens, an 11, and a 12. Holy crap, my, my dice are hot. So that's five successes with the 12, which you can hold on to, or you could re-roll it. I re-rolled it and got a 12. All right. That will actually complete it. But we, it's kind of like dread. Like we don't have to just go. We win. You you can just at this point you just have to roll anywhere. You guys can just narrate until you think we're at the end and go for it. And then uh. I got a ten because that twelve explodes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So somehow we use this mop bucket to sneak through Area Fifty One undetected. <laughs> 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 so I, I, this, these are the moments where I like to imagine you cut back to the writer's room and they're like, but how do they get through area 51? Like, I don't know. Like just say they use a mop bucket. We'll fix it in the second draft. And then it just never gets fixed. <laughs> it's just never fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how they kept, how they forgot to change a Val's name to Cal or vice versa. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're doing all that to keep people off of us and not hurt the troops, my goal was doing things like shooting out the overhead fluorescent light fixtures. So they swing down, blinding them so they can no longer press the attack that buys us time to move through so there's like this shot of us weaving our way throughout and of course we yep. get to the final room where there's another one of the big machines with shrink and large and the cities are shrunk and the, and uh, we need to flip that back to enlarge but the person behind it is this big is this rogue military commander who turns out to have been my old ceo that mm -hmm. i didn't get along with and the reason i left the military and and he said and he says you got me this time, but I'll be back. And he has a, a secret escape passage that closes and seals behind him as he jets away. Yeah. Has an escape pod that like yeah. fires off yeah. into the over the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Evil and style. Then, afterwards, we filmed a couple of scenes to cut back into the ending, to, especially once we were trying to work on that mop, mop bucket problem. And we were mm -hmm. like, wait, we've got shrink and enlarge. So we throw in a couple of more scenes where partway through we found a smaller shrink enlarged device like a prototype and we enlarged the mob <laughs> <laughs> so then you're like it's like a van but it's like looking like a mop bucket van yeah, you're driving right, through yeah, yeah. right we've got a mobile assault lawn, a mobile assault <laughs> mop bucket that we're, we're cruising down the hallways in flintstone style <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, right. It's like the mystery machine. Yeah. So at this point, everybody gets another scene. This is like the wrap up. So it could either be like a five years later, or it could be like the relationships are healed. It's just basically you get another little scene to tell us how the, your character has changed or evolved or grown from this moment. And then we will go into yeah. the credits. And if anyone has an idea for a post credit stinger sequel, you can throw it out here and then we just move into come up with any names for the movie or anything like that. So I'll just, we'll go with Josh. So what's your, how, what, how sure. do we see your character at the end of the movie? Sure. The flash forward is like a year in the future and the same way the movie opened, you, you see them from the back at first and it's a kind of like long hair, scraggly, similar looking shirt to what, what Jagger was wearing at the beginning of the movie and everything like that. And again, it's early in the morning and they're like, their desk is a mess and everything almost exactly the same as the opening scene when you first met Jagger, except this time it's from the back instead of the front. And this time in the door to the IT office there steps, steps Jagger with a cup of coffee. His hair is like neatly combed his beard is neatly trimmed and he just takes a slow sip off his coffee and says, man, you look tired. Sips his coffee and then walks away. He's now become the boss man and everything like that. And so now he has a new underling to go ahead and, and for the overnight to the overnight jobs. Excellent. All right. What about Stan? So for Stan, again, you get like that full circle back to his waking up in the morning, not stuck to a textbook this time though. He is still asleep across the desk. But now it's a computer and it's got some strange schematics on it and some formulas and whatnot. But he gets up and he goes about his normal routine. But when he goes out his door, it looks like a normal apartment. It's in some strange desert location. And he walks over to another bunker style building and goes down several flights of stairs, puts on a lab coat and grabs a clipboard and steps into a room with that prototype device of the shrink and large mm. machine and a couple of other people, and they're like tinkering with it and reverse engineering it. And around the room are various, very large, small things and very small, large things. <laughs> <laughs> it's all forced perspective. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. totally. Yeah. <laughs> There's no budget for building any of that. Long. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's super tiny shots. And yeah, it's also like cheap stuff. It's like a pencil, uh, you know, like a roll of <laughs> Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> or a model of yeah you swear that pizza. was made you swear that eiffel tower was made out of legos yeah, yeah. Right. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's really close to the lens all right so yeah. what about callie so cal wakes up you see almost an exact duplicate of the opening scene he showers, he gets done, he shaves he's making his faces in the mirror he does and he does the whole thing and he says still don't know Gets himself situated, does the whole thing with the bed, gets it all set. The one difference that you notice is that this particular, when he's at the, it's a double vanity, not a single vanity. Ooh. And as he, and as he makes the bed, does the hospital corners, all that's the same. You see him, the arms come around his back and it's Kels. Uh, they uh, interlock their lips in a long lingering kiss. And then he looks in the closet and he looks at his clothing options and what is his military uniform. The next thing you see them both in their military uniforms and he puts on his lieutenant bars and all that. So all, so you see him, he's decorated, he's back in the military and he looks at Kelsey. So I think it's time we call him. And he picks up that box that he found in Ireland. And now the red part of that wooden blade it ha has this thrumming glow. And he picks up the phone and... And you see him looking at the options and he selects a, a group call for both Jagger and for a Stan. And 
he hits the button and it rings. He goes, guys, the world needs us again. And this time the problem's <laughs> even bigger. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Does anybody have any titles for this movie? Anything that you think would be the best or worst best? title for something like this big trouble in little china was already taken yeah yeah. a little big trouble little little everywhere (laughs) yep Yep. let's see so it started in chicago trouble for little china too like like right Um, there like mines man let's see it started in chicago chicago's the windy city and it's fine if we don't have one just usually somebody will come up with something i'm yeah yeah i'm span the hold on honey they Uh, shrink the buildings man problems of mass reduction (laughs) <laughs> mass reduction yeah yep <laughs> there we go there we go yeah all right that's it that's action 12 cinema thank Ooh. you so much for playing i Ooh. hope everyone had a great time this was so that much was fun, a lot of fun thank yeah. you that so very great. much yeah uh, uh, absolutely amazing <laughs> this is, this, I, I love doing these and so much thank you so much for coming on to go course. ahead and walk us through this because this was so much fun like we we may have to go ahead and do the sequel at, at, at some point here gents like this is this is too much fun to ignore I, so, I right, can, right? after I can, we get the full rule set we can tr- run it truly gm less mm-hmm. though we could invite michael back to play with us maybe i could yeah. be tiny Oh, that would be great. I'll, I'll work on my accent. Oh, they're magically delicious. Because I need some work on that. Not that it's necessary either. That's like, <laughs> I love any game where we get to really craft a story and work off each other. The improv is what I love about role-playing the most. Yep. Yeah. And so any game that focuses on that is great. And the fact that there's like you talk about and have different ways to build in the different tropes. And even that is collaborative. This is like a game of collaborative world building, which is absolutely in tabletop journeys wheelhouse. This is the kind of thing we yeah. love to do. I basically yeah. took the, my favorite parts of a role playing game and made that the entire game. It was a yep. good time. I very yep. much liked that it. it's set across the lens, pun intended, of <laughs> a B rate action film. So we can keep referring to the writer's room or I'm surprised we didn't come up with. I'm sure there's plenty of ideas that we could have come up with that wound up on the cutting room floor that nobody will know about by the time Josh is done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. At a little over four hours, there's probably not going to be an awful lot cut out of this. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we didn't have a whole lot of crazy tangents either. I so. think that's actually that's actually a good testament to the game. Though tangents are fun, and while tangents in games are great, because this game basically builds in all the tropes, and you can make all the crazy, like my De Niro bit at the beginning. Are you talking to me? Because that's part of the game. It's not a tangent. It's just it's part, really of the game. part of the game. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's totally cool. awesome. Because I pun all the time. It's actually a bit of a struggle for me to not pun while role-playing a game. Even when we're doing the most serious stuff and I want to be in that moment, some of these things are just hard to keep down. The yep. fact that we're playing right. a game where I don't have to keep it down. Especially is, once is it's teed so up. Freeing. I mean, hard not to hit it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You throw it's a softball. So I'm going to swing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm go- and I'm going yard. I am going yard. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect mini convention game. Yeah. Uh, like it'd just be so much fun to just do this. There's not a lot of heavy lifting that you have to do and prep work beforehand. You can do it yeah. all in the game, which is amazing. I love those mm-hmm. types of games, and I think that works really well. Yeah, yeah. fun, fun I, fact. I that's the hard part of writing the game is how do I get what we just did written down so that someone can read it and know what the bleep they're doing. It's yeah, really hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that yeah. was going to be the only piece of feedback I could specifically think of because gl- gameplay was fun once I got a handle on how the mechanics worked. They're not overly complex. The gameplay mechanics and the piece of it are easy to understand as long as the people playing it are down and ready for a good improv style game that they're and know that when they're getting into it because some people struggle with it the only other thing that i would say it would really be saying that man i think you got a challenge in writing it so that just like everybody does so that somebody picking up the book on their own and reading it could sit down yeah. with their group of friends and run it and i don't mean that in a negative way because it could easily be done there's so many games out there that do it but without seeing that piece of the rule set it's hard to tell whether or not if we had the original book we would have needed you as much as we did today but like for the three of us today, that would have been my biggest piece of feedback is that for a jamless game, we really needed you. Yeah. But we also didn't have a full rule set. Right. So I really loved the way that at least it was encouraged not to fill out all of our skills right up front and all of our relationships up front. I'm almost feeling for me, like in the individual acts, like at the end of Act 1 and the end of Act 2, kind of mandate is the wrong word, but make that into the cake where it's okay. At the end of Act 1, you gain a new skill. What did your character learn over the course of the last act? Something like that. And that's actually, I guess, my question is, how does this scale? So it's like, it was great as a one shot. Does it scale to more like, like short run campaign style, or is it really just pretty much baked into a one shot? It's baked into a one shot. Like you could do the sequel, do the whole trilogy. You could do like a Fast yeah, Nine yeah. quintology or whatever <laughs> you want to do. But really, yeah, yeah. there's no way to level up because you're already action heroes. You're not going to lose unless you just choose right. to let your character lose. But yeah, you yeah, could yeah. change your character between games to like in like recast the actor, or we have a new director, so we're going in a different direction. Is make it bake <laughs> in the silliness of it, but you can't yeah, yeah, really yeah. get any better at anything because you're already yeah. game is very mechanically light, but it's heavily weighted in your favor. Like we didn't have any yeah. uh, setbacks in this game that actually caused us to add in more complications. So it's weighted heavily for you to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We do a recurring convention called Drinking and Dragons based in Connecticut. They basically every three to six months they do one to go and they like raise money for local charities and stuff like that. This is like the perfect setup for something like that. That like every six months the same players get together and do the thing. And it's always like like you said, like like building in this in the sequel or Fast Nine uh, kind of kind of like yeah. franchise set of movies. I think that would be uh, fantastic. That way if players come and go, like that's perfectly natural, but there's always kind of like a core of characters yep. and or like, an actor change or whatever kind of thing i think that's that's fantastic but just a stupid amount of fun though like at the end of the day like this <laughs> yeah, is like was. that if silly fun i feel pretty comfortable saying that was probably your goal <laughs> was to yeah. go ahead and just make a game that's just like obscenely fun and that is uh, like enjoyable to play like a sunday afternoon was like you've got a few hours to sit down make up some characters roll through absolute absurdity for two or three hours and oh, yeah. enjoy every minute of it like always priority one is that fun yeah, yep. mission accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, effectively, we were doing something right today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this guy gets it. Yeah. yeah he li- I'm not gunning for Chris's job. I'm really not. <laughs> Mad uh, love for him. But uh, no, the, this, this was just, like Josh said, obscenely fun. And yeah, so I much think, fun. And I think all of the players I play with, we are all movie geeks like i have a separate channel on facebook that i just do spoilers and talk about old movies that we love we're all psyched about willow coming to oh, disney plus so oh wait. my I've god it looks a, good a preview yet but I, i've watched the preview four times and i am so excited for it that's like the movie i always wanted to have a sequel to and the fact that it's going to be a series so i get it spread out over time yes all day but all of the folks that we game with certainly all of our patrons are all about the 
these types of movies. We all love Big Trouble in Little China. We all like The Princess Bride, all these absurd 80s films that were either just crazy action or silly fun or whatever they might be. And the fact that you've got a game that can replicate all those fun elements and you can throw out any nod you want. And the people that we play with the most get it. And I would imagine anybody listening to this podcast, anybody listening to your regular podcast, we're all the same. It's like when you're on with a Callum and you're talking about movies, even across the ocean, we are talking about the same films. When we spoke with the folks at Against the Dark Master, we were both talking Lady Hawk like it is a formative experience for us because it was a formative experience here in Italy. Oh, Lady in, Hawk was an amazing in, in, film. In, in, in Germany, wherever you go. these Those are the guys I, from Against the Dark Master. That was pretty yeah, cool. One of the folks that just joined our page the other day, I didn't realize he was in Germany at the time because I was seeing all of his writing in English. And then we were talking and then so added him uh, as a friend so he could share some other stories and other information. And... Then I realized I'm talking to somebody from Germany. and But one of the first things on his page was he had the co- the VHS cover of Die Hard, oh, uh, nice. the original Die Hard in German. And I'm like, <laughs> that is what makes this stuff awesome. That and, no matter where we are, we still have the same loves, the same connections, the same things that we want to go for. And <laughs> this game captures that perfectly because movies yeah. are movies of this style are universal. And they can be just as diverse as the people we're talking about being fans of them. You can have anything from, we've mentioned Armageddon and The Day After Tomorrow and a bunch of other movies in here. But you could also go the other route and have ridiculous action movies like Mars Attacks, Attack Mm. of the Killer Tomatoes. Trauma style movies. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, the trauma films. You could go the Richard Rodriguez route and Desperado, Machete Kills, or... Kidify. High fantasy with legend and yeah, oh, yeah. and kidify you go spy kids and which was absurd fun. This would be perfect for a spy kids type film. Uh, you can do anything with it. Yeah. Really, you can because it's the way the objectives work. You can make them be anything. Again, we took quicksand and turned it into getting out of a building that shrinks, but that's exactly how this <laughs> game is supposed to work. So as long yeah. as people get that, and again, I'm not trying to say that people won't get it, but that's my fear is if they think, oh, it has to literally be quicksand. No, like yep. you just, you take that as inspiration for the type of danger you're in and then extrapolate into the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And you can work that into the description too. You just want to make sure there's something in there where it's saying quicksand or either the traditional kind or anything, any situation where the floor or the world is falling out from underneath you or. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, I would also the, point the, out that Big Trouble in Little China is the first example of a film that I use in the game for the type of movie we might be playing. Perfect. So many times, so many times when I was young. I've watched (laughs) it with you so many times, Glenn. Uh, Yeah, you were there for a number of them. In fact, it was actually one of those movies that we'd be playing like D and D for a weekend or whatever, and you could say, "Okay, we need a break from the table," and we would put on Big Trouble in Little China, watch that, and then we'd be right back to the game. So you know, good. That, that's that kind of film for yeah. us. So. All right. Josh, did you have anything else? I thought I heard you trying to break in once. No, I was only to go ahead and say that, again, we just had so much fun, Michael. And for folks of our show, for listeners of our show who don't know our, the RPG Academy, how can they find you and how can they find the RPG Academy? So you can find me at the RPG Academy on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Our show is wide reaching. We have tons of different types of shows like Detention, which is the ones that you guessed it on, which is a very sort of loosey-goosey talk format, improv heavy game. We have actual plays. We have discussion GM theory, how to be better at the game, that kind of stuff. We have interviews with designers. 
we have movie review type stuff. So if you like tabletop journeys, there's probably one of our shows that you would find that you would like as well. So please come check us out. The game Action 12 Cinema. I'm supposed to get the Ashcan version literally next week, though I don't know when this will come out. So that probably will be in the past for you, dear listener. And then at that point, I have at least one publisher who's interested in it. And by that means they said, send it to us. We'll look at it. Not that they're going to publish it. Depending on how that goes, it'll either be on Kickstarter or I'm hoping that maybe the publisher might pick it up from there. But it'll be the what you can get this game at some point in the future. I just don't know when yet. Awesome. We will make sure to go ahead and let folks know how they can do that when, when, when for sure. So, um, and, and yeah, yeah, I was like, like I was explaining to my wife earlier, the RPG Academy is very much a show that Lewanika and I listened to a lot before we started to do our own podcast and have lifted and stolen from mercilessly with no apologies. So that's, so if you like our show, you will definitely like the RPG Academy. I can tell you that much. So yeah. there, Michael and what you've done and with all of your Academaniacs, is, that's that, right. the phrase? is that the right phrase? Yeah. You are definitely baked into the DNA of this program and we appreciate you appreciate it i think of it like football like coach trees like i I came from somewhere else and the people didn't go on to do better things but there's an inspiration there and i appreciate that a lot you're you're like the bill belichick to my josh mcdaniels it's fantastic yeah yeah. oh oh, you're hurting me i was gonna say before we sign off can you talk about a catacon because i know that's coming up by the time this airs it'll be a lot closer to when a lot more of your information will start coming out I would love love to to talk about Catacon. Yes. So the quick pitch is the Catacon is the convention that we started out of our podcast. The name a Catacon is a, Academy convention. No one ever understands that. They think there's an R and it's Arcadacon. We get people who show up and want to play Pac-Man. No, this is a very small regional convention, very much focused on role-playing games, also on indie games. Like we have the big two. We got Pathfinder and D&D, but you're going to have more times to play things like Fiasco, like my game, Dread, Forbidden Lands, Cypher System, all those games that are not quite in the top echelon, but people love them. They come there and they run them. It's truly probably my favorite con. Again, I'm biased because it's the one I run. But we are in (laughs) Dayton, Ohio in November of every year. This year is November 4th, 5th, and 6th. It's an all-inclusive badge. So once you have your badge, you can sign up to play anything as long as there's seats left open. We have a system to let you register all that kind of good stuff. And badges go on sale August 16th this year through Kickstarter. That's how we always do it. We use Kickstarter first. Once Kickstarter is over, assuming we fund, I say that every year, but every year we have so far, knock on wood, you'll be able to buy a badge from tabletop events or you can buy them at the door. It truly is a ton of fun. So if you happen to be in in Dayton, Ohio in November, I'm sorry, but at least come hang out with us and we'll make it a little bit more palatable <laughs> to you. Nice. So. Awesome. Uh, like we would time. love to get out there one year. We're not going to get out this uh, get out there this year, but we'd love to get out there some year, the three of us, and have some fun and throw some dice together. So that's, yeah. Fantastic. So. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I absolutely had a pleasure. Yeah. You were very kind. If at three oh. o'clock in the morning, you wake up in a cold sled, oh no, I should have told him this. Hit me up on Twitter <laughs> or send me an email. Yeah, we'll do. Um, yeah, and I would yeah. appreciate any feedback. And I'll throw right. you obviously right. into the play tester list. So when the book Great. ever does come out, you'll be in there. You're oh, not fabulous. So give thank us, you like, very your much. Your personal cell phone number to call you at 3 a.m.? <laughs> no, that's what text and emails for, or, or Twitter and oh, email. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Hope that you enjoyed this, this multi week run through Action 12 Cinema. We are back next Tuesday with our Monk Class Warfare featuring Scald from Awfully Queer Heroes. I get to go ahead and uh, run the uh, run the scenario this time for the three of you. So that'll be a good time. So I'm uh, very much, I was showing Liwanika the map that I'm planning on using earlier today. So that'll be a good time. I hope you guys. Oh, he gets uh, spoilers? I got What's spoilers. That? You got a map. That was that. that that's yeah. all you, you saw a map. But, but, I, I demand here's, spoilers too. Here's to be fair. Here's a hint. It's a monk scenario. The map's a monastery. Shocker. Yeah, I know. That's, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
to be but, yeah. to be fair, we were testing out some VTT stuff, so yeah, that, yeah. that's why I came up where we've yeah. learned some things. Yep. So we have our Monk Class Warfare next Tuesday, and then this coming Saturday, I believe, based on when this is going to air, we have our review of the Journey Through the Radiant Citadel book from Wizards of the Coast. So that'll be a, that'll be a good time. I'm really looking forward to that book, and hopefully it doesn't get delayed any further, so we can actually put that episode where it's supposed to be in our calendar. So anyway, <laughs> that would uh, be good. Let's say. Michael, thank you again so very much for popping on here. Pleasure as always to have you. Keep in touch, and we will uh, continue to let you know what's going on. And uh, for everybody else out there, hope you enjoyed the actual play. Check out Action 12 Cinema when it comes out. We will make sure and send you out the link uh, when it's there. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You have a great time. Thank you, everybody. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks, Michael. D12s are best. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, y'all. All right. See y'all. Bye. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, we would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.